Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on, from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in, 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more, oh, sports, uh, yes we do, oh, sports, uh. It's for you, play and play, and we spit it every day, and we're talking sports, give us a call, okay? Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Paul Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped in this hot summer to talk some sports. Give us a call. It's a good Thursday. NFL preseason's on. Let's talk about it, baby. Give us a call. 718-664-9098. Like always, tweet at us at Ray and Tay Today. Send us some emails to Gmail, Today at gmail.com. And check out the new and improved website, RayandTayToday.com. With great features, interviews, everything you need, some poll questions. We need your, your thoughts, your opinions, so chime in. We love you. Hit us on email, but get to us at Twitter and, and the website and Facebook. Ray, right now, I don't think any other quarterback in the NFL would get sucker punched. We got to start with the Jets, the NFL, Geno Smith, and of <laughs> course, Rex Ryan signed your boy, I.K. Impala, what do you think about Gino and what went down and what is happening in New York City? You know, if I wasn't a Jet fan, I would laugh. <laughs> but why, why do these things happen to the Jets? Why is it that the Jets quarterback, you know, this could be the end of Geno Smith's career, frankly, because yeah. As a Jet, as a starting well, quarterback, it could be. As a starting quarterback, as a Jet, exactly. Because if Ryan Fitzpatrick does just even decent, you got to think that Gino was on thin ice to begin with. So this was really his year, his make-or-break year. And he lost at least two games, if not four games, uh, because they said, what, six to ten weeks, so depending on how the jaw heals. And then, to make matters even more interesting, not – 48 hours go by, and he gets picked up by the coach who drafted him, who happens to be the former Jets coach, who happens to be coaching in the same division. So it's this comedy. only happens to the Jets. I mean, it's straight comedy if you're not a Jet fan. And if you're a Jet fan, you're just scratching your head. I guess I, I don't know what to say except for this is just Jets, Jets nation. What can I tell you? Well, you know what? The thing is, we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is a really a turnover waiting to happen and sort of a career backup. It seems like Gino was doing well in camp, so it's a shame. I do think Gino will probably get another opportunity to start again, and we, uh, we got that poll question coming up on our website about that. And, you know, Gino, I, I think, you know, I feel like they needed to see him with these weapons to really assess him. But if he doesn't come back or if he does come back and it's not so many games, if he doesn't do well, 
I think that the regime will start all over either with Bryce Petty. Uh, he should be playing a lot tonight. Fitzpatrick might already be out. I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't have the Jet game on, but you know, Bryce Petty. They were talking about picking up Tyler Thigpen or Rex Grossman. We'll see. You know, uh, Chan Gailey had uh, Thigpen work with him before, I guess, in Kansas City. So I don't know. It, it's really a mess. But what it also makes a statement. Why did you not pay the man back his money? Because to me, that's disrespectful. And then for Gino to even get into a verbal argument about him, about it, $600 with him, and you're 14, 15 days in the training camp, you still haven't paid him? And I don't even, Ryan Clark said it best. It wasn't a sucker punch. If Gino put his finger in his face, dude should never have hit him. You don't hit anybody at your workplace. The NFL's got to get stricter on, on just all of this stuff, the DUIs, everything. My wife was like, that guy should never work again. That's ridiculous. And I'm like, you know, you know, for outsiders to the sports world, it is ridiculous because that violence should be unacceptable. But I got to tell you, Gino was wrong, 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 because this wouldn't happen to Eli, Peyton, Drew Brees, Rod, any, any other quarterback, only Gino, only the Jets. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And all of this was for a charity that he missed. You know, I guess he had a family emergency. Well, his, his camp, yeah, he's got a football camp. And he fronted the money. Gino said he was going to come. He couldn't even reach him that day. Gino called later after the flight was supposed to land and was basically like, oh, my brother got hurt. I had to take him to the hospital. Like the dog ate my homework stuff. I mean, that's that's bad. And, you know, this speaks to him being a leader, Ray. It really does. And this is $600. This is not $600,000. I mean, you know. Well, that's all the more reason. Like, you should have paid right. that man the first day you saw him just on respect alone. You know, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. So look, the, the, the Brady and, and Goodell meeting, all that stuff went down. It, it seems as if just by looking at the questions and he still wants them to negotiate that this federal judge. I don't know if he's leaning one way or the other because he said, don't infer from my questions. But he definitely said to the NFL, what proof do you really have? To, to suspend this man for games. And I find that fascinating because it is all circumstantial. Ray, I think it comes down to everybody saving face, maybe $500,000 fine for basically not cooperating, maybe a million, and he plays week one. What do you think is going to happen here? Wow. You know, I, I think you're reading the tea leaves well. I originally thought that this was fine for a one- or two-game suspension, just meet somewhere in the middle and call it a day. But both sides have dug in. I don't remember a situation like this before. And the federal judge, they had a stat where 66 of his 68 cases were settled because he's not into having to make these decisions. He wants the two parties to come together. So... I guess at the especially end of the said, day, he said especially because it could take years in court, right? Right. I guess <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, while while we all pretty much think that Brady was complicit in doing this and had a hand in it, if you want to go by the strict sense of the legal definition of guilt or however they want to do it, 
they don't have much evidence. I mean, they have non-cooperation and it leads you to and and firing those two guys, the equipment guys. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, which leads me to believe that Tom Brady definitely had one hand, if not two hands, involved in this. And it wasn't just a, a, a hey guys, why don't you take care of me, make the balls a little lighter. So on the one hand, I you know I fully believe that Tom Brady was involved, but when it comes down to evidence, when it comes down to what you actually can prove. I'm starting to sniff that the NFL's case is not that strong. So you might be right. Maybe we see Tom Brady week one against the Steelers, man. What would you think about That's that? That's my Steelers? Well, right now, Packers and Patriots are on. It was 0-0. Uh, um, you know, listen, i tell you this. They're really, really going to have to rely on their running game this year. Edelman's been banged up, different things. The one thing that I, I think we got to talk about that was announced this week by a man that is only 5'9 and has played or will have played 15 seasons in the NFL. Steve Smith Sr. announced that this will be his last year playing for the Baltimore Ravens. And you know what, Ray? He's had one heck of a career. I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Famer, but he is definitely in the Hall of Fame of respect and props. He got the most out of that little frame and that body, and he played his butt off. And even when the Panthers wanted to get rid of him, he wound up becoming the leading receiver for the Ravens and just killed the Panthers when he played against them. And even as a Steeler fan, I got to salute this guy, and I hope he has a great season, and I just wish him a healthy last final season. Steve Smith, a, a great veteran NFL player and receiver. Absolutely. Goes to a Super Bowl. And frankly, they, they almost won that Super Bowl. That was the one I went to. I, I went to that Super Bowl. That was the Janet Jackson right. Super Bowl. Um, they could have easily won that Super Bowl. They lost by three. Uh, so he goes to the Super Bowl. And remember, he came along right after. Remember the whole Ray Carruth incident? Yes. And that was a time when, when people were down, and, and especially in Carolina. And, and he just gave them some toughness. You know, and as a rookie and in his first few years, got into some fisticuffs. He was an ornery chap, as they say. You know? <laughs> oh, he's still, wait, he still is, right? He still is ornery. That's true. Oh, I um, love but, it, though. You know what, though? He's fighting. Wait, wait. Do you, re- do, you remember, do you remember what he said about uh, uh, Talib, uh, 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 Quib Talib or whatever, for the, when he was on the Patriots and then that Monday night game and the uh, Panthers won? And they were scuffling or whatever, and he had to leave the game. And at the end, he was like, yeah, you know, we had our battles or whatever. We won the game. They, they wanted to win the game. We got it done. And he said, well, Albert Burry asked him, well, what about to leave? He was like, uh, you'd have to ask him because, you know, I'm still playing and we won. Ice up, son. Ice up. T-shirts, <laughs> 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 you T-shirts. Ice up, son. I love it. Oh, my God. Steve Smith. Yeah, but God, he... First of all, he was talented. Second, he was tough, and he showed up. And no matter who the opponent was, you knew you were going to get his best game. I mean, this guy really brought it every week. And I hope he stays healthy. So I hope we get to see him for 16 weeks. No, no, that would be a pleasure. So while we're on this football, and we'll get to MLB and talk a little NBA schedule and update you on the first round of the final major, the PGA, but, Ray, right now, it's getting close. I could smell it. The second most popular sports in America 
is starting in a couple of weeks, premiere September 3rd, college football. And so Ray and I, we decided that we would, eh, not necessarily a number, but we're going to talk about the top college football quarterbacks going into the 15-16 college football season. Some will get drafted. Some will return next year. Ray, let's look at them. I mean, first, before we break, break some of the leaders down, I, I just got to mention to you, I haven't heard, but a young man that was at Eastern Washington, he didn't pass a math class, and he had to take a test this morning before he could get on the practice field at Oregon. This is the new, potentially, if he passed the test, new starting quarterback, Vernon Adams, who is in all different rankings, the top 10 and top 15 quarterback. He lit uh, FCB or whatever the other conference Football on fire, got busy at Eastern Washington, might have graduated early. We'll see. He will probably wind up being Oregon's starting quarterback if he passed the test. I'm hearing great things. What do you think he can do replacing the great Marcus Mariota in that Oregon system, which is not, you know, he's got a lot of talent around him, so he could actually do really well. You know what, though? But it's hard. I mean, Walking into that system, most of these guys get kind of brought up and bred into this system because it's it's so different from almost everything else in college. So, so far, I mean, think about it. We had Marcus Mariota, and we had people that came up through the old Chip Kelly and, and even before him, uh, the offensive coordinator. The system is not – I don't imagine everybody can just step in, right? And so Vernon Adams, it's funny because he's got, you know, some people rank him as a top 10 preseason quarterback. And I still think he's a wild card. I don't know. I, I don't know how he'll do. You know what I mean? I don't know if he'll just step in there and, and, and go be the man and replace Marcus Mariota or if he'll be a bust. So, you know, the, the transition from FCS to FBS, that's difficult. Stepping into that Oregon system. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a quarterback's dream if you know what you're doing, if you know how to play in that system, and there's not many systems prepare you for that. So I don't know. Wild card to me, still still a coin toss. I'm not sure how how Adams is going to do. Yeah, I think he'll be you know good. I mean, a couple of the the top tier guys. Obviously, people love love the Clemson quarterback, Deshaun Watson. A lot of people have him ranked one, two, or three. Um, we saw some glimpses from him last year. I think, honestly, and we'll talk about it in our preview on uh, uh, Monday, August 31st, but Deshaun Watson, he has an opportunity to dethrone Florida State. And with them losing Winston, they're going to have Everett Golson. So we'll see the battle between Watson and Golson. So that should be interesting. But I think Watson is a better quarterback than Everett Golson. It's just about you know turnovers and, and leadership and stuff like that, because I feel like Ever Goldson's got the experience. So that should be interesting for Clemson. My guy, though, Ray, from USC, Cody Kessler. Like Not a big Cody? guy. He's 6'1", six, he's six like 220, but he's got an arm. He can throw it all over the field. And I think USC and Kessler are going to be the, – they're going to be the, the, the real team to, to watch and the quarterback to watch this year. What are your thoughts on Kessler and, and, and just all the talent around him at USC? So, you know what? He's not a big guy. 
and I'm a little worried because he got sacked a lot last year. And, you know, he had a great, what do you have, 70% completion percentage, yeah. uh, almost 4,000 yards, but still took a lot of hits. So I'm a little bit worried about him. I think he ran up some stats against some really bad teams, and against the good teams he was just okay. And, you know, going into your senior year, I think you got, you're going to have to be better than that. But I do think he'll, be, he'll do great. And I think he is probably the class of the Pac-12, and that's an offensive conference, but I, but I like him. I like him a lot. Um, I, think, I think your boy Deshaun Watson at Clemson, he is somebody to look out for. I don't know that he'll be the man this year. I'm thinking he'll be the man next year. You know, he's coming off a torn ACL. He also, what did he play? Something like seven or eight games last year. He started, he started five. So he doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, so my guess is next year is the year for him. Uh, what, let's talk about your boys, though, at, in Ohio State, the two-headed monster. First of well, all, who, who, who's going to start, first of all? Well, that's my question. First of all, does Cardell Jones ride the national championship, and is he the starter for 13 games? Or does you know, Barrett, listen, I saw them both uh, in practice the other day on ESPN. They're going to training camps and stuff. I got to believe Cardell is going to win the job. I think when it comes down to it, he's not just NFL ready, but I think the coach realizes that he's mentally tough, won the chip, and can make every throw. Barrett's a little bit limited, but he's very smart. I think Barrett, honestly, in the NFL would be a career uh, second string. I'm not sure he's a starter, but Cardell's special, and Cardell – has a chance at the Heisman if he starts. Of course, him and his teammate could be battling for it, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think he's going to be the man in a top three to five quarterback staying in the Big Braxton Ten. What Braxton Miller? What do you think about well, Braxton, Braxton Miller? Wide receiver, no, no, right? No, no, no. I'm saying, what do you think about his transition to wide receiver? You got another quarterback on the field, literally. You know, are they going to do some trick plays? Are they going to do some Antoine Randall? Oh, you better believe it. You know Urban Meyer. He's going to have the defense off balance. Uh, He did trick plays with Tebow. So, yeah, I I think being able to have Miller, you know, he could come around for end around and then throw it downfield. You know, I mean, who knows? They're going to have a lot. It's – Look, they don't have the toughest schedule, so I think this is going to be almost a cakewalk year for them. Last year, they weren't predicted to win at all. This year, a lot of people are, and I don't think it will be so hard for them to defend it or at least to get to the Final Four. But in that same division, same conference, you've got to look at my man, Connor Cook, who some are saying is a, you know, a top two uh, draft pick in terms of quarterbacks, him and maybe uh, Christian uh, Hattenberg from Penn State. So the Big Ten's got a couple of guys there um, that could all be first rounders if it's Cardell, Cook, and Hattenberg. So what do you think about Connor Cook? Because I think, you know, I really like him. He didn't come out last year, and I think he needs a better senior season, but I think, he, I think he's going to be ready. I like Cook this year. You know, what's good about him is that he doesn't have the strongest arm, good enough arm. He plays in a system that helps pair him for the pros. And you know what? He's 
seems mature for his age. He seems like he's a veteran out there where they give him a lot more flexibility and they give him the ability to read defenses and react more so than most players at the college level. You know, most of them are really just programmed and, and they kind of do what the, what the coaching staff tells them. So I think he'll have a very good season in Michigan State. I like D'Antoni. Uh, I like uh, D'Antoni, I should say, and the fact that he's a defensive-oriented, sort of tough-nosed co- uh, coach. So I think Connor Cook leading the offense is good. Um, he's got a decent running back, and, you know, he's he lost he lost some talent, right? He lost some running back and a, and a wide receiver to the NFL last year. So, uh, you know, I don't know that statistically he's going to put up these awesome numbers, but, you know, if Michigan State goes 11-2 and two and maybe, you know, is in top – I don't know if they'll be in the top four, but maybe they'll be in the top eight. So that'll be a great season for Connor Cook, and he'll be a top pick uh, if he has the arm strength when they when they put him through the workouts and the combine and everything. Then you know he's he's got a. It seems like he's got upstairs. He's got the marbles to be an NFL quarterback. No, you're you're totally right. I got three names for you, and I want to know out of those three who jumps off the most for you. I guess for college and for NFL. You got the Cal quarterback, Jared Goff, pretty good. Seems like he's, you know, ready to take Cal to the next level. They're not a big Pac-12 team, but they're in that mid-range. Maybe they start to get a little bit better with his arm. My man, Trayvon Boykins, who I think is going to lead TCU maybe all the way to the promised land. I think this year they will make the Final Four. And I think Boykins is, is a stud. And then... One of our favorite Dak. names, your man Dak. Dak, my boy Dak Prescott. No relation to Dak from around the way, Upper West Side, that we used to play football, and basketball with. But Dak Prescott from Mississippi State. You know, I love him. I think he's ready. What do you think about those three gentlemen? Because I think all three of them could have amazing seasons. You know what? I think they'll all have amazing seasons, like you say. Uh, I'm not so sure about any of them. For the next level. For the next level. Dak Prescott might be the best, only because he, he's kind of that dual threat, Tim Tebow, uh, Cam Newton, you know, that SEC type uh, uh, guy who can score on the ground and, and has a decent enough arm. I think Trayvon Boykin is a super stud college player. I think he's, you know, I think they list him at 6263. He's probably less than that. He's probably like 5'11", 6 feet. Um, his arm strength is a little bit weak. And he's just a playmaker. You know, Trayvon Boykin is, is the perfect college playmaker. Uh, Dak Prescott, like I said, probably a little bit more, you know, potential at the next level. The one who's really interesting is your boy Jared Goff at Cal because yeah. he throws up some of these pinball numbers, right? But question is how much of that is real and how much of that is going against some some uh, Pac-12 teams. I was about to say, if he were in the SEC, how would he do? Not sure he would do as well. Pac-12 has been known recently as an offensive conference, and so he's put up some huge numbers. Um, now, the NFL guys are going to definitely take a look at him, and, you know, with, and I guess he's going into his third year. That's got to be good, you know, for his development and everything. But 
I'm not sure that his pinball stats translate to the NFL. But having said that, I think he will lead Cal to, to probably eight wins. And I think that, that just like last year with TCU and Mississippi State, I mean, I think these guys are going to be in, in the top ten all year. And like you said, TCU, if they can get through the Baylor bugaboo, they have a very good chance of being in that top four. In fact, if you were in Vegas right now, you'd probably say it's almost like Cleveland and basically penciling them into the to the NBA Finals because they don't really have to go through much in the Eastern Conference. Well, they both have to go to Oklahoma State at Stillwater. So yeah, just know but, that they could get upset there. Yeah, I still like Trayvon Boykin, and I like TCU. Uh, or one of those two, you know, they were they were, were they five and six last year, right? And lost out to Ohio State. Uh, I think one of them is going to be in the in the final four this year. No, I, I would definitely agree. I, I tend to like TCU a little bit better than Baylor, like I did last year, just because their defense is better. They got to tighten up the secondary, but their defense is definitely solid. So before we go to PGA golf, because we got to talk about that and make our, our pick for the for the weekend for the final major, I'll just leave you one last name. A lot of people have him in the top ten. I think he's close to it. Your boy Tayson Hill from BYU. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people don't necessarily remember or or think about him or know about him. But if you ever watch BYU play, sometimes they've been on, you know, ESPN on those Thursday night or Friday night games. Ray, this kid is a baller. And so I'm going to be interested to see what type of season he has and what he can do with BYU. If BYU, because sometimes they, they play a, a tougher schedule, if they can, you know, be ranked again this year and, and even climb up in the charts. So that that's a kid that I think, you know, him and, of course, Golson down at Florida State, you want to see if he can turn a corner and really kind of develop. And and Notre Dame, Malik Zaire, right? He's He's got potential, and Notre Dame has got a, a, a tough – not a tough schedule, two tough games, Texas and USC. But Notre Dame is going to be maybe a top-10 team this year, so maybe Malik Zaire can, can do something. What do you think about Hill and Zaire, BYU and Notre Dame? And then we'll uh, move on. So I think Hill is more of a runner than he is a passer, and he needs to get his passing game right. But he had a great start last year. He whooped up on Texas twice. Really oh, BYU. Remember that? Back, yeah, back on the map. So I think statistically he'll have a he'll have a, a a fun season. He's the type of guy that could score you you know fifteen twenty touchdowns on the ground and, and the same in the air. So you know again that Cam Newton Tim Tebow type. Uh, in terms of Notre Dame, you know, I'm not sure this year. I think Notre Dame, a lot of people are going to be down on Notre Dame. And losing some of the veterans that they lost, I'm not sure. And, and you know, ultimately, a quarterback, it's judged by the team success, right? So He's got I'm some good sure. talent there. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on Kelly. He's been recruiting pretty well, and he's got some guys ready to step up. Yeah, God, I, I I just don't know. I just don't know that this year is is going to be the year that Malik Zaire thrives. Just be honest. Just say, I don't like Notre Dame. Just well, say it. Well, you don't like Notre Dame. The fans, the fans know. They hear it in your voice as you're waffling. <laughs> like, I still try to Notre call it Dame. like I see it. 
I still try to All right, so, like I see it though. Yeah, well look, we'll we'll talk more college football as, as the season comes along. Um, we're gonna, you know, obviously, like I said, give you give you the preview August thirty first. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Look at some of the, you know, better defenses maybe. Right now, we gotta talk about the PGA out there in uh what is it, Whistling Hills out of Wisconsin? Yeah, Whistling Hills and Kohler, Wisconsin. Whistling Straight, sorry. And Kohler, Whistling Straight, sorry, yeah. I mean, wow. First first of all, your boy El Tigre is three over. That's all I need to say. It, it's getting sad. But my man, Dustin Johnson, is leading the way, and he's the first – I think he's the first golfer ever to shoot a 66 in three different majors in one season. So he's six under right now. That's pretty amazing. So kudos to Dustin Johnson. But like we said, when he lost the last one, can he close, Ray? He can He can step out the first day. Thursday, Friday, he's a baller. But can he finish? That hasn't happened yet. That's a good question. You know, the number one golfer in the world, or at least statistically, or, or at least in our book, Justin Spieth, he's at one under. So he's five strokes behind. The guy I like, keep an eye on this dude, Jason Day. Well, that's my guy. You can always talk about Jason Day. I, I, that's my pick. He's going to win. Jason Day is winning. Pick? Really? Oh, yeah. okay. He's four I, under. I, and he's a beast. I just want to keep an eye on him. I'm not saying he's going to win. But oh, I'm taking winning. him to win. Okay. I do. All right. All right. I'll give you a name. A guy from England that we haven't heard from in a minute, but I think he might surprise people. Justin Rose, a Rose by any other name. He's, he's three, he's three under, which means he's three back. And I really, I'm, I'm pulling for Dustin Johnson because you know, you, you hate to see the guy get really, really close and then, you know, basically give it away. So I kind of want Dustin Johnson to, to do his thing and, and really win this thing start to finish. But, I'm telling you, keep an eye on your boy, Jason Day, and also keep an eye on Justin Rose. Those are my two. What do you think about a healthy Rory? He says he's healthy, at least. You know what? Uh, with Rory, it's physical health, it's mental health. I don't know where Rory is, you know, in terms of, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. There's no reason he shouldn't be the next, you know, everybody wants to be the next Tyro Woods, but there's no reason he couldn't be Justin Speed, right? <laughs> Uh, 21-year-old Justin Speed, by the way. But I just don't know week to week. He's so inconsistent. And, and maybe when you're 25, you are inconsistent. And, and maybe 20, we just got spoiled with, with Tiger Woods when he was young and, and, and guys like Justin Speed and, and, you know, there's some, a few other golfers. And, and maybe we should expect inconsistency. But, you know, until he goes a full season – being consistent, I can't really, I can't, from, from week to week, I can't really judge Rory Mack. No, you're right. You're definitely right about that. Either way, it'll be fun. So you, is your official pick Rose, or are you just saying you, you want him, or what, what, where are you going? I, I, I got my chips on Jason Day. All right, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with Justin Rose. Why not? No, I, I listen. I think it's a great pick. Hey, just a little update, you Jets fans. Detroit's winning ten <laughs> three, second quarter. Yeah, so. but don't get no, excited. I, don't, the only pre- game I, to listen. get excited about is week three. 
No, I know, I know, I know. I just, it just makes you, you just got to say something, right? Ravens up on the Saints, 17-0. Patriots are up 8-3 on the Packers. But, you know, Ray, it just, you know, we, look, let's just say this. Before we get to, to baseball, because things are popping off and NBA schedule, it's hard when you're a Jet fan. That's all I'm saying. It's hard. We, I think we're cursed because Joe Namath, he must have, you know, had some chicken blood that night when he made the prediction and then they won. And so ever since that one Super Bowl, it just, it just can't happen again. So we got to ask Mr. Namath to, like, you know, you know, maybe go say some prayers and, and, and you know, rescind his, his chicken stuff or whatever and so the Jets can stop being cursed and win. That's all I'm saying. That's it. You well, know, he might have made a deal with the devil to the Colts. Maybe, maybe. Super Bowl three. Uh, Ultimate upset. Right before we were born, too. I'll tell you. See, we weren't meant to we weren't met, meant to see the Jets win, right? That's what it comes down to. Let's be honest. So oh, let, let's let's talk about the, the, the baseball diamond. Things are heating up. There's so much to talk about. We got a no-no from your boy from Japan, from the Mariners, who were pretty hot. Seven, uh, seven out of their last ten games they've won. It's a little too late. You got Clayton Kershaw, who has been killing things. He's got his sixth season with over 200 strikeouts, and he's in the category with Colfax and Seaver, already passed Gibson. That in itself is amazing and basically tells you he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. And he's so, a- I mean, he's still young. Well, let me ask you this, though. With all this dominant pitching, they've been putting this out there and maybe saying that if, you know, some of these no-hitters and, and dominant pitching performances are coming on travel days or day games, uh, you know, high percentage amount, and people are wondering, since the players are not taking the greenies or the, you know, amphetamine, pills that they're more tired on travel days and stuff like that you know with playing on less rest that they're not up and that's why hitting is down and the no-no like that are up what do you you think there's any legitimacy to that i mean because we know the players were doing that stuff for years maybe it's quite possible and you know what if this is the new normal well then i'm okay with that you know if it means that batting averages go down and they need to rethink the schedule and, and redo getaway days, and maybe we need to bring full down from 162 games to 154 or 150. I mean, I, I don't know that they'll do that because it's giving up some, some revenues. But you know what? They play. You'd really like to see. Uh, I mean, you'd really be. I mean, wouldn't that throw off some of the, the record books in history? You'd like to see 154 games? Well, you know me. I'm a big fan of the postseason. And whatever it takes to get a post, the best postseason matchups and the best postseason possible. You're right. Baseball is a game of statistics, and everybody loves their stats. And so, if and you to measure them, against different – Yeah, what yeah. is essentially 5% of the season away, <laughs> people wouldn't be so excited about that. But, you know – to have these guys go through a 162-game season, and especially now when you're seeing people breaking down, I don't know. There's something to be said for a shorter season and maybe even extend the playoffs. 
So around. I got to talk to you about the three hottest teams in baseball, basically. Those Mets who are putting it on Nets up four games. Those Chicago Cubs who are now tied with Pittsburgh, basically. Um, you know, just basically two losses back and they've played two more games um, than the Pirates, the Cubs. And the Toronto Blue Jays, who have passed our Yankees 11 in a row, the hottest team in baseball. They can't stop winning, Ray. And now the Yankees are, what, a game back now? So, so the Yankees what, I mean, are what are they drinking? Back, are they? But, but the Yankees are playing, so they're, they're up 6-2. Yeah, no, they're playing. But this is a big weekend, right? We, we, we got we to gotta go to Toronto. At least take two out of three. Let's say if you lose to David Price, who's been dominant on Friday, we got to win Saturday and Sunday. We got to stop this Blue Jay winning streak. But I mean, talk to me the Mets, the Cubs, and the Blue Jays. It's like, uh, so they're not each one is each one is a totally different story, but they're all fascinating. I'll end with the Blue Jays because that's the best one. The Mets can pitch. And pitch and pitch and pitch for oh, days. Did you see Degrom the so, other night? Wow. Yeah, I mean, this kid is, you know, Degrom and Syndergaard and, and and Matt Harvey, who's getting no run support. I mean, he's only ten and seven, but his. I know, but I got to tell you this. Just let me say this one thing to you, and and I'm being sincere when I say this. Degrom has better stuff than Harvey. He's a better pitcher. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, no, no, no. You need you need a five-man rotation, right? Think about the Mets in 86. I mean, obviously, good was oh. the best, but, but yeah. you know, Sid, Sid Fernandez did his thing, and Ron Darling did Bobby his Ojeda, thing. Bobby Ojeda, Ron Darling. Bobby yeah. Ojeda, yeah, no, they, they all, you need, a, you need a rotation. Well, you know, right? people, have you heard that John Smoke said that this Mets pitching staff is better than the Braves? I saw, I heard that. I thought that was very interesting, but you know what? It might prove to be, and this is without Wheeler, right? Because he's coming back off the injury. This team is great. And and you know what? They can't hit, but you know who can't hit even more is the Washington Nationals. If it wasn't wow. for Bryce Harper, they wouldn't have even been, you know, maybe an over 500 team. And now that Bryce Harper is having a bad second half, or at least compared to his first half, right? This team just fell off, and, and we predicted I, I they'd win close to 100 games. So, you know, they must be kicking them. I don't trust them that. Not I offensively. Yeah. It's terrible. Just... So, anyway, so the Nats are, 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 are kicking themselves because they're thinking to themselves, wait a minute, we, we, we should be better than these Mets. But kudos to the Mets. They're doing their thing. As far as the Cubs, I think they're a year ahead of schedule. I didn't think they'd be this good this quickly. But they're doing it with pitching and doing it with their rookies, you know, Bryant and Soler and, and Rizzo, the, you know, the veteran, you know, been in the league, what, four or five years. I, I like this Cubs team, man. And your boy from Boston replicating clutch, his very magic. Very clutch, time of hitting, you know. But, but those, all of those stories pale in comparison to the Toronto Blue Jays because not 14 days ago, they were in fourth place, eight back of the Yankees. And they go, they go get Tulowitzki, which is the first domino, and then they get Price, and then they do a couple of the small moves. But you got to give their front office and their ownership a lot of credit because at eight games back, 
in the AL East, when you know that the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the Rays, to some degree, but the Yankees and the Red Sox definitely have payroll and could have made big moves at the All-Star break, it turns out that they didn't. But to make up eight games in 14 days is unbelievable. And your boy... And how about Donaldson? How about Donaldson, Ray, for MVP? You know what? It was Mike Trout, Mike Trout, Mike Trout, and now it's Mike Trout and Josh Donaldson. So yeah, I really think he's legit. Much, just as much of a claim to that. I mean, they may be co-MVPs right now because, you know, Mike Trout will win the MVP every day, every week, and every season. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But, you know, what is Toronto 15-1, and one, I think, something like that, since the Tulowitzki trade? So this uh, is just unbelievable. And he's played well. David Price. Joey Bats is on fire now. I love that and team. Cardassian. He played well. David they, Price. They are ridiculous. Yeah, they are really they, ridiculous. They really are. And you know what? I, I got to think as a Yankee fan, uh, we're trying to it get might be over. It might be over? Yeah. It's over. I think I think they're going to win this division. I think the Yankees are fighting for that wild card. Now, the Yankees are still in good position to win that wild card, but when I look at this Blue Jays team, and even if they cool down, they still have the best offense in the league, and it's young hitters mixed in with veterans. Yankees are all old, and for well, some reason, that's we, what I want to talk to you flute. about. They're bringing up the young kid, Greg Bird, no relation to Larry, one of our two young studs, they already brought up the pitcher, Luis. Um, now Greg Bird is coming up, and I think they're going to give Teixeira, you know, some days off. They got 16 games in a row coming up, and I'm interested to see. He's been tearing up double-A and triple-A, um, so we'll see him at, him at first base, and let's hope that Greg Bird gives us a, a little spark, you know? We'll see if he can fly. But listen, Ellsbury, <laughs> Ellsbury – and 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 a rod that top of the order Gardner, they got to start to do something they have not been you know getting on base to set the table for the other batters well it's as if the whole lineup or at least the the, the big four big five took a week off and this was not the week to do it right because you played three against toronto and even you know these two games against cleveland were duds and not only that but you wasted excellent pitching you know, the Yankees weren't losing 9-2. to two. They were losing 2-1, 1-0. They got shut out back-to-back -back first time since 89, sorry, since 99 that the Yankees were shut out back-to-back. -back. So the Yankees are giving away these good pitching performances. Yeah, they, they, need to, they need to get back to their hitting ways that they were doing in the first half of the season. The good thing is, like you said, even if we lose the division, we're still 4 on like you know Tampa and and Los Angeles Angels for the wild card, so we'll we'll get a wild card. But real quick, Ray, let me ask you this: before the show ends, we got to talk a little NBA. The schedule was released, so you'll have LeBron opening up traveling to Chicago, and the Pelicans opening up to play those Golden State Warriors. But this is the thing: our New York Knicks were totally disrespected. But they will not be on Christmas Day. It is official. The Knicks are like, the fan America is like, we don't want to see the Knicks. And is that a good thing or a bad thing that the Knicks are I not on Christmas I think it's great. Day? I think it's great because you know what? The Knicks 
have been resting on their laurels for many, many years. Now, I don't know that the, the Phil Jackson era is a new thing, right? But the Knicks management and the Knicks organization have had, we talked about this many times in the past, the Knicks are the most valued franchise, the highest value. Well, I don't know now what the Clippers are going for $2 billion, what the Lakers or the Knicks would go for. But the Knicks were always valued really, really highly and marketed really well. And I kept saying to myself, and, and we talked about this, the product is not good. The product on the court hasn't been good in 15 years. So I don't know why the Knicks keep getting away with this. So you know what? Take them off national television. That's right. Nobody wants to see the Knicks. The Knicks are terrible. So until the Knicks get it together, they don't deserve to be on national TV. And this is coming from a Knicks fan. I mean, I'll watch them anyway. No, no, I totally agree. (laughs) Totally agree. And then also that opening night, you got Detroit out of Atlanta on NBA TV. Couple of good things with the schedule though, Ray. Uh, They lessened the back-to-backs. They went from like 79 or all the way down to 27, four four games and five nights. That only happens 27 times. They start a couple of days earlier, October 27th, it opens. And um, I think, you know, with the less back-to-back, the players should be a little bit fresher. And, you know, kudos, good thing. You know, they didn't really have to knock down too much preseason. And, um, you know, I think basically NBA fans should win and the health of the players should win. Because last year, I mean, it was crazy how many guys were out in the playoffs. That was ridiculous. Yeah, and we had too many games before. the well, wasn't the All-Star break at game almost close to 60 or 50-something. or It was, it was crazy. Um, yeah. You know what? Great. I love, I love getting fired up for the NBA season. I think starting a few days early and smoothening out the season, I think that's a good thing. That's another league that probably doesn't need to go 82 games. But – you know what? They're going to do it. And if you're going to do it, then, then cut back on the back-to-backs. And I think it might be official. I don't know if you heard this, but it might be official that no more guarantee that the division winner gets home court or, or you know, a playoff spot or whatever. Or you get a playoff spot, but there's no guarantee. You don't get home court anymore just because you're a division like winner. You go by record. I like it. I like it. You got to earn it. It's got to be, earn it. you know, you got to earn it against your conference. So the playoffs are conference-wide, so it doesn't matter that you won, you know, the East or, or, or the Atlantic or whatever. It's all about how did you do against your conference, and, and maybe the, I, I think that's the best compromise, where you do get rewarded for winning your, comp, your division, but you, you get placed by your record in the conference. No, you're right. So listen, good show. We'll definitely uh... – Talk some more. Um, We'll be back next week, probably uh, towards the end of the week. And then we come back full throttle, ending the sort of summer schedule and vacation and and get back to, you know, the good stuff. Football, Football, baby. baby. (laughs) Think about about what's going to happen in the next month. Just as we leave you, just, just something to salivate on for all you fans out there. We're going to be talking about the stretch run in baseball. We're going to be talking about training camp and preseason in basketball. We're going to talk about the kickoff of college football, and we're going to talk about NFL football. A lot to talk about. We'll throw in a U.S. Open in there. we got a lot to talk about. So the, the next month is real exciting. 
No, no, definitely. And we'll, we'll probably uh, come back full schedule starting on uh, the 24th and uh, be back Mondays and Fridays, so the 24th and 28th. So next week will be our last week of, you know, shorter shows. And uh, like I said, check out rayandtaytoday.com. You can uh, hear some of our great interviews that we had even this summer when we had, um, you know, big guests on like Tom Rowan, you know, Super Bowl champion from the Broncos and stuff like that. And Ray, we're going to start getting them ready, even maybe on the 24th. Maybe we'll have our fantasy football preview show we got to get everybody ready for fantasy. The leagues are going to start drafting that last week or two of August. So season starts a little bit later this year, but the drafts are coming. I smell them. It's it, – oh, my blood. My, oh, I'm ready. oh, and by the way, Ray got the number one pick in our league again. Oh, God. <laughs> I, got I don't even want pick. it. I don't even want it. I want to be fourth. I know. Fifth, I'm happy with like the fourth that. pick. I'll let Ray suffer with the first one. But uh, listen, great show. We'll talk to you again next week. Check out for us probably next Friday. Um, and you'll see the countdown on our website, rayandtaytoday.com. Thanks for listening. And again, have a great sports weekend. Ray, I got to shout out a happy birthday to Jackson and Mateus. The twins are turning two years old. My little boys tomorrow. Can't believe it. Big two. Big yeah, two. Man. Hopefully it's not the terrible two. Uh yeah, those started a little bit earlier. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, Let's play the